Welcome to Recovering Biblical Manhood. I'm your host, Paul Robbins. And I'm your co-host, Aaron McBride. And we will begin exploring the question, what is biblical manhood? War? What war? Am I a soldier? And how am I supposed to be equipped for this battle? Men, these and many other questions will be explored and answered in our quest as we look at biblical manhood from the Word of God. Rise up, man of God, and fulfill your role in the kingdom. To Recovering Biblical Manhood, I'm your host, Paul Robbins. And I'm your co-host, Aaron McBride. Today we're going to uh, look at the uniqueness of man. Now, last week we looked at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them live, or let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So we see that we're created in God's image. Mm-hmm. Now that that doesn't mean that, that we're gods like right. God is. It just means that we're in his image. We have his attributes to a lesser degree. We learn another important difference in God's creation of mankind in Genesis 2-7. And that says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Um, So God breathed into him a breath of life. Uh, Many scholars believe that this was the breath of eternal life. That God had created Adam and Eve to live forever from the very start, which makes a lot of sense because uh, there were there was the tree of life that was in the middle of garden that was to sustain their life and continue their life for all eternity. We also see that the verse tells us that man became a living soul. This is another part of man that distinguishes us from animals. We were created with a body, soul, and spirit, which again points to the fact that we were created in the image of God. As the Godhead is three in one, so our very being is made as three in one. We have a body, soul, and spirit. Uh, Animals have a body and they have a spirit, but they have no soul. So if God had created Adam and Eve to live forever, what happened to them? Well, Sin changed the course of history. We will look further at the account of Genesis chapter 3 at a later date because there are some important lessons in manhood there. But for now, let's look at the downfall of mankind. God had given Adam a command, Mm -hmm. a, a limitation, if you will. Right. And he only gave him one. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, 
you will surely die. That's in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. So God told him that he could eat any tree of the, gar- uh, of the garden except just that one? Just that one. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know if we were to skip ahead to Genesis chapter 3, and uh, we're not going to go into the entire story of the fall of man, but it's very important for us to understand this. Uh, if you go just skip ahead to Genesis chapter 3, uh, Satan comes and he tempts Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. Uh, we'll look again further at that uh, when we begin to discover that we face the same temptations that Adam and Eve did in the garden uh, today. Um, but we're not going to necessarily dive completely into that um, because the whole purpose of where we're going today is understanding that we have a soul and what happens to our soul after we die is a de- direct result of what happened all the way back in the garden. So Satan comes and he tempts Eve to eat of the tree. And she does uh, eat of it. And the Bible tells us that Adam was with her and he chose to eat the fruit as well. So why didn't they die the moment that they ate the tree if God said, you will surely die adam and eve were the very beginning of mankind god didn't intend the earth to be without man god had a plan for man to have dominion over the earth so if adam and eve died immediately god's plan is ruined god's plan is never ruined right because that would mean that god isn't all-knowing right God is all-knowing. He knew the moment he created man that man would fall. What happened is our bodies lost the eternal life that God gave us in the garden. Specifically the eternal life to live on this world forever because we know that uh, as we're going to look at here in just a few moments, we have the choice between eternal life and eternal death. uh, Yes, we do. Death, not in the sense that we're going to die and, and just go into some soul sleep or something like that. But uh, the Bible uh, tells us that hell is called the second death. And uh, if we don't know Christ, that we'll spend eternity there. Um, they didn't immediately physically die, obviously. But spiritually, they were now dead. And that spiritual death and sin nature passed on to every person born by man and woman from then on. Now, before we go blaming Adam, notice what it tells us in Romans 5.12. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men. Why? Because all have sinned. So that's Romans 5.12. It clearly tells us that sin and death were spread to all people because of Adam's sin. But this verse also tells us that death has spread to all men because we all sin. Just because the sin nature was passed to all men, it doesn't excuse us from sinning. We still are responsible for our own sin. 
Sin is a choice. Absolutely. Every time that I sin, and I hate to admit it, but I still sin. I've been saved for over 30 years, and I still sin. And every single time that I do, whether it's intentional or not, it's a choice. And I choose to sin rather than obey God. So the thing about sin is, is then it condemns us. Um, is there something maybe back uh, at the beginning in the story of Adam and Eve that gives us hope, even for today? Uh, since we're focusing our minds on the very beginning to begin painting the picture of biblical manhood, is there something there right at the beginning after Adam and Eve fall that points us to hope? Well, yes, there, there's always hope. Uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He's talking to the serpent. Yes. He's talking to Satan. Right. Uh, in this passage, so he's talking to the serpent and he's talking to the serpent about Eve um, because he said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. She's going to be your enemy. This is the, the last part. He will bruise your head. The he there is a prophetic speaking of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is. Because Jesus would bring redemption that was available to all mankind through the, through the line of Adam and Eve. This is incredible when you think about this, right? Adam and Eve were responsible for bringing sin into the world. And God said, through you, I'm going to bring my son and he's going to deal a death blow to Satan. Even though it's going to hurt my son, I have a redemptive plan for all of mankind, despite the fact that you failed. And I'm telling Satan directly, Satan, my son is going to come. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Uh, while Satan had brought pain and regret to all mankind, it would require the sacrifice of God's son. The pain of the cross would be the death blow to Satan because God's full plan of redemption would be fulfilled. So what does this have to do with people today? So let me get personal with our listeners real quick. You have already seen that just as Adam was condemned to death because of his sin, you also have a death sentence passed upon you. But God made a redemptive plan for Adam and Eve. It required a sacrifice, which was pictured uh, from all the sacrifices that would ever be made throughout the Old Testament. And it was a picture of the sacrifice of God's son, Jesus Christ, as he offered to pay the price to cover your sins. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. We have a death sentence put on us. But we also have a promise. Yes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So while we deserve death because of our sin, God offers you, listener, eternal life. Uh, In the same passage of scripture that we just looked at in John chapter 3, A few verses after that, verses 17 and 18, God lays it out plainly. What you must do to escape the condemnation of eternal punishment because of sin. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 3, 17 and 18. Here's the thing that's amazing to me, is God makes this so simple to understand. He said, I sent my Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to show you that there's a way of salvation. But we complicate it. You know, there's, there's a term that I've heard used about the simplicity of the gospel message. Now, we often want to dig deep into the word, but that's our intellectual capability wanting to make things more difficult than it really needs to be. Right. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. It's simple. It's simple to understand. There's a line in the sand. Yeah. You step over the line, you're on one side. You don't step over the line, you're on the other side. Right. So going back to the thought of what the Bible said about sin being passed down to us from Adam, right? That sin condemns us. Right. Exactly. We're already condemned without Jesus Christ. And that condemnation has brought death to our physical bodies. Yeah. And that doesn't change. No. That is a consequence of sin. Absolutely. Our physical bodies are going to die. Yeah. And and so God says, listen, if you believe in my son, I'm going to move you away from condemnation into the eternal blessing that God offers you that I desired for mankind to have from the beginning. But you have a choice. You can either choose to allow me to remove that condemnation or you can continue in your sin and continue in that condemnation. The very next verse tells us that uh, God sent his son to be a light to the world, but men love darkness rather than light. And, And it's true. The only reason why someone would not believe the simplicity of this gospel message is because they love darkness. Yes, they do. So how do we escape this condemnation? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, and also verse number 13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be Saved. What a promise. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
This is an amazing promise. And it's that simple. That simple. Absolutely. There's no special prayer that has to be made. There's no special road that you have to go down in the Bible in order to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. The Bible made it very clear. Jesus said, if you believe on me, you will not be condemned. Here he says, if you will confess your need for me as your Lord and your Savior, and you believe that I died on the cross, was buried and rose again, that I paid the price for your sin, if you will confess your need for me and you will believe in your heart that I have done these things that I have promised, you'll be saved. So believe and share. Sharing was going to be important. That that will be a part of what we do, sharing that I believed in Jesus Christ. And, and belief is, um, sometimes we get this idea of belief. Well, I believe in Jesus. I believed in Jesus for 20 years before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believed that he was a real person. I believed that he really died on the cross. I believed that, uh, that he died on the cross for people's sin, but I had not yet confessed him as my Lord and my Savior. There was the head belief, but then there became the heart belief. The moment I said, I realize that Jesus did this for me, and I need to confess my need for him. So the confession, the sharing, the sharing, yeah, has to be out loud. Well, I would say that it needs to be to Jesus Christ himself, and it couldn't be done in a private place, but there also has to be this with the mouth confession is made. You're telling others, I believed in Jesus. I believed in Jesus. Yeah. Jesus did this for me. Yeah. And suddenly, restoration. Yes. So what does that mean for me today? Restoration doesn't mean that physical death is not going to continue to happen. It will. That's where sin and death and uh, all those things come into play was because of our sin. The world is in the shape it's in. We have wars and rumors of wars and we, we see death and we see suffering and we see sickness. That's not going to change because sin has set the world on a course for hell. But the difference is, is when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have the promise and we uh, of eternal life. He restores that eternal life that he wanted us to have from the beginning. So we're changed from the eternal death that we deserve because of our sin. And God breathes in us a new breath of life and he gives us his Holy Spirit who indwells us. And we will live eternally for him one day when either we pass away or the rapture of the church happens and we're caught up together to meet him in the air. You know, I, I remember the day that I got saved. My apartment manager was the deacon at a, at a Baptist church in, in Santa Rosa, California. And he invited my wife and I to uh, their series of, uh, of messages that were happening, their event. And, and we decided that we were going to go on Sunday, which was going to be the last day of the event. Um, and he was very pleased to see us go. And, and we sat with he and his wife. And I paid 
close attention to the sermon and God was was speaking directly to my heart. Mm. Uh, he had been knocking at my door yeah. and uh, I had been paying attention for several months, but not everything was really making sense to me yet. Now, suddenly God was knocking at the door saying, hello, wake up, open the door and let me in. Yeah. And I did. I went down at the end of the service and I, I prayed the prayer. And when it was over, when there was an amen at the end of the prayer, I had peace. Yeah. I didn't have confusion anymore. Mm. I had a hunger for reading the word of God. And I knew life was going to be different. Now, I didn't know how different it was going to be, but I knew God was going to lead me on a journey that I had never imagined for myself. Right. Now, at a later time, I'll, I'll share some of what that difference has been. But the following day, God and I had a conversation while I was at work, and nobody ever tells you, you know, it's just possible you're going to hear God's voice in your head and you're going to have a conversation with him and he is going to make all of this absolutely real yeah. to you. Not an imagination of I went to this church meeting and got caught up in the emotions of it. Right. But that God really exists and he is interested in an insignificant person like me that I have become his child by choice. Yeah. Not just his choice, but my choice also. Right. And by doing that, I have gone from insignificance of a little tiny speck on a little tiny planet and a huge universe to somebody that God is paying close attention to yeah. and guarding and helping and strengthening and loving Amen. through every step of the way. Yeah. Well, and listeners, this is a message for you too. You know, you, if you don't know Christ as your savior, you can accept Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord today. You need to confess your need for him as Lord of your life. You need to confess because of your sins, your need of a savior. And you need to confess your understanding that he paid the price for your sins and he wants to be your savior. And the verses that we just looked at says, if you will do this and you will confess your need for Jesus Christ as your savior and for his salvation, he promises you, you will be saved. What a promise. If you've received him as your savior today, would you let us know through Facebook or Instagram at Recovering Biblical Manhood or by emailing us at recoveringbiblicalmanhood at gmail.com? Our subject is Recovering Biblical Manhood. We want to be the men that God has called us to be, 
But until we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we truly cannot have biblical manhood. You must know him first before you can walk in the way that God has called us to as men of God. God bless. Thank you so much.